Howdy! Welcome to the latest episode of Managing Expectations. It'll be something that you'll be hearing if it doesn't get, air quotes, lost. My name's Jeff Winger, and with me, as always, is the aide-de-camp, Brian Grimm. Howdy, Brian. Good afternoon, Jeff. You know, there's something that I don't know if you know, and that is you always greet me in a very specific time of day. Um, uh, uh, so, you know, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. And good luck. <laughs> good night and good luck. Uh, and um, what I'm thinking is it's possible that uh, some folks could be confused. That some people might, uh, for example, be listening to us in the evening and hear you say good morning and then be confused. And that's why we're not a bigger podcast. You're probably right. (laughs) We're confusing our listening audience. Wait a second, these guys aren't live in my car when I'm driving to work? That's ridiculous. (laughs) What kind of low rent podcast is this? You don't even know what time it is. You, you kind of have to ask. Um, so we are uh, we're coming to you here. Uh, uh, we're very happy to bring you episode forty-one of the Managing Expectations podcast. I've also been told uh, by those in the know that uh, it's uh, cumbersome to the younger generations uh, to have to say the Managing Expectations podcast. That it would be better if it was just managing expectations. You know, it's cleaner. Yeah. You know what's cooler than 30 listeners? 40 listeners. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so familiar. Is That's from a movie that everybody's seen? It is from a movie that everybody's seen. Spaceballs? Nope, not Spaceballs. <laughs> Um, so it's been, uh, it's been a, it's been a couple of weeks. Uh, there's been some, uh, some ups and downs, some challenges, but, uh, we're happy to be coming back again now. Um, we can, uh, 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 here at Managing Expectations, uh, we try to, you know, talk about enlightening things, interesting things. We think we're pretty bright guys who are, you know, well-spoken and whatnot. And uh, that we're able to talk about art, literature, film, music. Oh, we've talked about music, haven't we, Brian? We've talked, to, we've talked about it. <laughs> and maybe we'll talk about it again. But, uh, you know, actually, uh, talking about art, uh, Brian... Uh, you may know that I took four paintings that were accepted into a company that um, displays them at um, it's the World Trade Center, but it's the um, it's the like the World Design Center, the Dallas Design Center. It's the World Trade Center in Dallas. Okay, which yep. is kind of which is a pretty big deal. Yeah. So I've got I got four paintings count them four paintings um 
there uh, that are are and, and and there was a big design show last last week this week going on um, and uh, you know I had a designer interested in my stuff so that's great you know, I don't know yeah yeah so I was um, I was actually kind of hoping uh, that I don't sell the originals because but then maybe. I started thinking yeah maybe see, just my deal yeah yeah but I might and and the and the difference is being professionally displayed and shown is more lucrative than selling them yourself even to my rich friends I notice, for example, you don't have one of my paintings over your shoulder. <laughs> did you just call me one of your rich friends? <laughs> I did, because it's well known, Brian. You are a one-man recession fighter, keeping that recession at bay. <laughs> Doing my best. <laughs> so I was on a phone call with a couple of old friends. Uh, by phone call, I mean a Zoom call. Uh, a teleconference, if you will, hmm. with a couple of old friends from Kansas City, and uh, a mother and daughter were actually um, uh, friends with uh, the mother, and and her husband was one of my best friends, and he died some years ago. Uh, a very very interesting fellow. He was uh, recruited. Uh, he was uh, drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs the year they won the Super Bowl. And then for uh, his other two years in the NFL, it turns out you don't win the Super Bowl every time. Nope. And um, uh, then, you know, you're, you know, just kind of like, well, he got traded and, and it, it, you know, it's a, it's a tough business, isn't it? Yeah. 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 The uh, professionals. Oh, you know what? Hang Okay. Well, so anyway. Well, so I was going to, I was going to talk about the gentrification of Kansas City and how home prices have essentially doubled and you and I have talked about the gentrification of Denver previously um, in Kansas City where there was a ton of inventory in recent years say 2,000 houses on the market and you could pick something up in a not great neighborhood for say $70,000 and that's not a lot of money for a house in America you wouldn't think but you know yes it was especially near a major city yeah, uh, that same house is now like 130. Yeah. She said uh, the 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 daughter uh, is selling real estate. So she was just talking about the and then I asked about the mayor and um, there was a mayor, a guy named uh, Sly James, who I, I you know I thought he seemed to be doing a better job than any of the mayors that were there when we got there. And I you know whatever whatever you you want from a mayor as a matter of fact kansas city is uh, run by a city manager so while the mayor is an elected position uh the city manager does most of the heavy lifting so in in many ways and this is true in a lot of different cities uh the mayor is more of a uh, a pr piece he's the uh the face of the city if you will so he, he doesn't actually do that much he might get to work the gavel at city council meetings and stuff like that so anyway cutting ribbons uh 
Yeah, so this guy Sly James is like a former Marine, and you know he was he was a pretty sharp guy. And then you know the the, the Royals won the World Series a few years ago, and then the Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year. And my friend Annette was not in the least bit interested in any of that. She's like, no, still crime, still yeah. poverty. The sit you know the schools in Kansas City still aren't um, credited. Do you, do you, I mean, you know, and I knew this, th th this has been true for, I don't know, 30 years or something ridiculous. But if you graduate high school from a Kansas City uh, school, the, the uh, Missouri uh, college system isn't just going to let you in because they need to make sure you can read and write and do arithmetic first. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a, I mean, it's a shame, particularly, you know, and I, you know, don't want to go off on a thing, but, you know, there is a real racial component. So you can understand why, why the city's black folks, you know, feel like they don't, you know, they've been abandoned because um, rich, rich kids go to private schools. Mm -hmm. Like yours, your your kids go to private school, don't they, Brian? They do not. <laughs> did did we, you take Moppet on uh, to her writing lesson this morning? We uh, no, they they have uh, um, uh, in home professors that that we bring into the house for private lessons. Uh, okay, the thought of them sending them to a school just sounds barbaric. Sure. Uh, anyway, um, I want to talk for a second. So I, last Sunday, I watched my the first football game that I've watched all year, uh, which is to say my first COVID era <laughs> football game. Okay. It was horrible. It was horrible for two reasons. One, it was a terrible game. Okay, so um, the Bears uh, were crushed by the Saints. Uh, the Bears uh, have no offense and uh, only made the playoffs by virtue of a defense that at this point had been decimated by injuries. So essentially they rolled into New Orleans with nothing, nothing to leave on the field. Mm-hmm. But that's not that's not the horror. I mean, and just because that's every Bears game for the last thirty years, certainly every playoff appearance in the last thirty years, um, that wasn't what made it such a horrible experience. Rather, it was there were two things that I found unsettling. There was the uncanny valley effect of. Uh, them piping in audience cheers when you know that there's not an audience to speak of. I mean, there are some people in the stands, but you weren't really able to tell how many because of the next thing that I saw and hated. And that was camera shots that focus on a singular, uh, on a single player while then blurring a little bit the players in the middle distance while completely 
thick Vaseline on the lens obscuring the uh, the, the the stadium itself. So you, so and, and the first time I saw it I thought are they meh maybe they're just focusing on the one player that they're talking about. But no, they kept doing it through the whole thing. They don't want to show an empty Superdome. And 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 so and so in conclusion I could not help but think about all the tricks and gimmicks to manipulate the on-screen pageant. And it made me think of the Beijing Olympics where uh, the Communist Party apparatchiks goosed the, through uh, for television the fireworks over, over the Olympic Stadium. I mean, I'm sure that they were perfectly impressive. After all, China is the inventor of fireworks, <laughs> and or they know or, they know they know what they're doing. They're, yeah, they they've they, got some they experience. Some, they got some scoreboard with, yeah. in fireworks. Nevertheless, NBC had to had to admit that uh, no, in fact, some of it was uh, CGI'd in afterwards, and um, and so I I. I found the NFL uh, I, I mean I don't know I mean if if I'm watching something that may or may not actually be happening um, why don't I just rent semi-tough in North Dallas 40 and I don't know the longest yard uh, you know I'm uh, uh, the replacements uh, can you think of some more football movies any given Sunday any, any given Sunday, uh, I saw I saw like a, I saw that on like Fox, like a bunch of years ago, and um, I didn't think it was very good. Uh, I mean, you could see yeah. Oliver Stone was trying really hard to make a movie that wasn't about a political conspiracy, and there, there's a there's a loudmouth uh, sports commentator that's in the movie, and his name is John C. McGinley. <laughs> Uh, John C. McGinley, that's right. And he plays um, a character named, I think it was Jay Rose. And uh, Jim Rome said, huh, I wonder if uh, that's a shot directed at me. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Jay Rose. Mm-hmm. Didn't Jay Moore have his own radio show for a while? He's got to have a podcast, right? Yeah, I'm sure he does have a podcast, but he did have his own radio show. And uh, when Jay Moore would fill in on the Jim Rome show, it was it was usually very very good. Right, but he seemed like a great reliever, yeah. and maybe not a great starter. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, needless to say, you and I have podcasts, a podcast. So of course Jay Moore does. I just don't know what it is or where it is. Um, going back to the. Uh, Saints Bears game. Um, we have to. Well, hey, I just want to address something real quick. I, okay. I, I, listen, I've lost <clears throat> some interest in the NFL, and so I, you know, I'll catch a little bit of the the Denver Broncos games here and there, and you know, maybe I'll catch the fourth quarter of a game if it looks like it might be close or entertaining. Um, but I haven't seen them blurring out the audience. 
or blurry. Really? I have I haven't seen that. They they've like like some stadiums they'll allow like ten thousand people in. So depending on the state, depending seriously? on the state, uh huh. So it's real sparse. Really? Yep. So it's real sparse, and they uh, but of course they still pipe in the noise uh, for the TV broadcast. I don't know. It might they might even have the noise there at the at the stadium coming in through the speakers. Um, but I would actually hope so. I mean, I would hope. I would hope. Uh, listen to what I'm saying and when I'm saying it. Everybody, write this down. <laughs> I would hate to be manipulated by the people on television, by a, a media by a major, <laughs> a major network television corporation. But I think that the the Saints Bears game was actually coming to you from an undisclosed location. That's why they blurred everything out. Seriously? No. <laughs> Okay, this is no time to be joking like that, you you monster. <laughs> maybe, maybe they had a full stadium to get their revenues up, but they blurred it all out so that no one would notice. We'll just keep it between, <laughs> hey, 80,000 people, don't tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I think that what isn't there like... A, an Israeli saying that three people can keep a secret if two of them are dead. <laughs> uh, if it's not, it should be. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, Mrs. Winger and I, she was a real sport. She was a real trooper the other night. She's like, well, you know, you want to watch something, you know, I, lately I've been in, in a mood to read mm -hmm. and, and I've been saying, um, you want to read or you want to watch something? She says, well, I'm just going to sit here and veg. I'm like, well, I guess we want to have something on TV then because otherwise you just, you know, what, what, uh, yeah, just going to be vegging to me reading silently to myself. So anyway, um, you didn't read, you didn't, you didn't read to her, Jeff. Yeah. She'd have been, um, I'm in the, uh, I'm reading a book by, let's see, called The Village. It's a history of Greenwich Village. And I'm at the part where uh, the mob is all over the waterfront and um, the communists are um, uh, like in the bars and places like that. So Mrs. Winger would have found it fascinating mm. actually she might she might have she actually i'm a, I, i'm glad that she you know what i just i was bought her a book it's the called uh that's uh, the summer moon uh what's what's it called it's that uh book about Quana parker the uh last um uh writer of the the, the last chief of the comanche Hmm. And um, I, as we may have spoken of previously, the command she didn't play. Uh, it's a really well Empire of the Summer Moon by uh, S.C. Gwynn. Um, and I'm reading currently uh, into The Village, um, 400 Years of the History of Greenwich Village uh, by um, John Strasberg. So, uh, um, anyway. Uh, Mrs. Winger was a trooper, 
and we started watching Gunfight at the OK Corral from the 50s with um, Burt Lancaster. Burt Lancaster. <laughs> there you go. Burt Bert Lancaster and Kirk Douglas. And Kirk Douglas was in full-throated <laughs> overacting. <laughs> yeah, he, he, it was funny. He did this thing. So, um, and it was directed by a guy named John Sturgis, who had some game. He had a couple years before done a movie that I like very much called Bad Day at Black Rock. Uh, but this had like all the Western tropes. It was not good. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, uh, DeForest Kelly. Uh, who who would go on to play Dr. Bones McCoy mm. on the original uh, Star Trek TV show, played one of the Earp brothers. Um, and I think he was he was wounded. I um, oh, and Martin Mull, Martin Mull, who uh, oh, you're not old enough to remember Martin Mull. No, no, wait, no. What was the name? What was the name of the guy? Um, uh, okay, so there's Fred Willard had a comedy sidekick. I think Martin Mull, right? Mustache. Yeah, and he was on Arrested Development. He played Gene Parmesan mm -hmm. on, on Arrested Development. That's Martin Mull. Yep. Okay, so Martin Mull was not in Gunfight at the OK Corral. Nor did he play a jazz musician in uh, The Sweet Smell of Success. Martin, uh, nor, Martin Milner is maybe who you're thinking of. That's exactly who I'm thinking of. Martin Milner uh, was, uh, he played the herb who died. Martin Mole is like Andy Reid's skinny brother. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Thinner. Skinny. And not Thin, thinner, thin, thinner brother. Yeah. So uh, some friends, I don't know. Okay, so here's the thing. So I've been having a little trouble lately, and I don't know if I'm, like, giving off, like, just this negative energy so that, like, people are like, hey, Jeff, how you doing? I'm like, fine. And they're like, yeah. But are you okay? No. No. How are you? <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know if I'm giving off like this, you know, I am, you know, just one bad day from taking hostages energy or uh, I, uh, I understand what I'm supposed to be doing, but uh, my ability and, and I, I don't know if people are picking up on it or if they're, if I just have friends. Either way, it's really nice, but... I suspect that some of my friends are afraid that I'm not getting enough sweet carbohydrates. So we had a delivery <laughs> of cookies uh, last evening. It was very nice, very thoughtful, very, very nice. Yeah. And uh, this morning, Julene's in the shower. That's Mrs. Winger, uh, for those of you wondering. Mrs. Winger's in the shower. I'm in. I'm reading in the uh, front room, and I hear the dog is just going crazy, and I, 
and she's just like into something which is not like usually her thing right so uh i'm like what is she doing is she is there a mouse in here because she does like a like to chase a good mouse am i am i still you're good yeah yeah okay so uh i feel like i'm uh okay so i get up and the dog has gotten into the cookies the cookies were, were were on the counter and she and i'm like i'm like and i um i said uh well I, I put the fear of God in that dog is what I did. And I said no repeatedly and very loudly. And there have been on occasions times when people say, well, Jeff's yelling at me. He's yelling. And I say, well, no, I'm not. And if you think I'm yelling, I should introduce you to my mom and dad. Right. And, uh, well, so here's the deal. My dog knows what it's like, what it sounds like when I yell. Mm -hmm. And I yelled no, and I yelled it again, and she dropped a cookie. Now, have you ever seen a dog drop a cookie? Not once. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So actually, that actually kind of impresses me. So I kind of... I'm kind of happy she's a good girl that is good except for getting on the counter and uh getting into the cookies <laughs> idiot idiot dog did um did i ever are tell you, you are you back where you need to be is everything yeah everything or am i still am every- i still filibustering brian while you have while you once again come to the podcast unprepared listen I'm really prepared. I'm ve- I'm actually very prepared. I'm just making some adjustments on the fly. Omaha. Om- Omaha. Kill, kill, kill. Okay. So you're going to say okay, so Did I ever- so we're actually having an interchange and I'm not just uh I'm I'm not vamping anymore. <laughs> did I ever tell you that did I tell you that story about how uh Scout the Yellow Lab uh ate a 5 pound bag of chocolate chips? At the time, you you had some concern whether or not Scout was going to make it through the night. Yep. Because there's always somebody who will come out of the woodwork and say, Dogs aren't supposed to eat chocolate. That's right. Your dog's going to die because it ate chocolate. You know that's poison for dogs, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so what happened to Scout? So uh, we had made a Costco run. And uh, we're bringing stuff into the house, and uh, we would set things on the countertop. And Scout was a, a big, 90-pound, yellow lab, really handsome boy. He was a good boy. And, but he, and we had a doggy door at our old house. And he frequently, he would, he would kind of observe the food coming in and us going out. And he would, uh, he would grab like a stick of butter and through the doggy door and then enjoy his... <laughs> His stolen st- snack outside. A st- stick of butter. Uh, loaf of bread through the door. <laughs> if you're coming from Costco, you've got a case of butter 
well, that has more packaging on it than the Hope Diamond. Well, I'm just I'm just saying is that there would you know he 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 recognized the patterns. Um, yeah. Okay. And so uh, I mean, because to get a stick of butter, the dog would have to be like Tom Cruise in the first Mission Impossible movie, <laughs> <laughs> drop from the ceiling, <laughs> and catch his own sweat with his with his. I don't, beautiful golden paw. I don't think dogs sweat, but like maybe his slobber. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyhow, so he, anyway. he uh, um, we're bringing food in, and one of the, one of the items was a five pound bag of chocolate chips, Toll House, semi sweets, and uh, five pounds. So. We're inside putting things away and our doorbell rings and I go to the door and it's a it's a neighbor kid and he's like, Hey, I think your dog's really sick. He just threw up like thirty five times in your backyard. <laughs> <laughs> so I go out I go out in the backyard and Scout has like a drunk <laughs> you know, you're like Wiley Coyote just got smacked on the head with an anvil. <laughs> that kind of a dazed look on his face. And uh and I can smell the chocolate. I can, I can, I can smell it. And I look in the backyard, and there's like, you know, puddles of ch- of chocolate that he had thrown up all over the backyard. And I'm like, all right, That's buddy, great. let's get you inside. Let's get you some water. You need to lay down. So uh, call the vet. And the vet, you know, okay. So what's, how big is he? How much does he weigh? Okay, how long has it been? Um, what's he doing and tell him what exactly was it and so we say you know it was these and she says okay he's he's probably going to have a tummy ache for a while but there's there's very little real chocolate in uh, the nestle toll house chocolate chips you never told me that part wow are you not talking What's that? I'm sorry. Did you not hear me? I didn't hear you. This this is great. Um, Why don't you unmute yourself? What's going on? Um, So, like, I can barely hear you. Really? I mean, is this better? Marginally. Seriously? Yep. Um, let me just okay. see here. Let me. All right. Well, I, I mean, I really don't think anything happened over here. Um, you, you know. know uh, <laughs> let me. I, I mean, I'm checking. See, this is kind of why we need to learn how to edit stuff. Uh, while you while you work on that, Brian. I'm going to speak clearly into my microphone. There we go. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Are, are you happier with that now? Much ha- <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with your helmet. I think uh, I think I've got a loose connection over here. Oh, I think you got a loose connection, all right. So, uh, episode 41 of Managing Expectations is brought to you by MrsWinger.com. Mrs. Winger.com. M-R-S-W-E-W-E-N-G-E-R.com. C-O-M. So, H-T-T-P 
<laughs> Jeff, Jeff, do I have to put a forward slash in the uh, e- in the uh, in the in the dot com there? www Hey, I was talking. Uh, I was talking to somebody recently who uh, was born in Indiana, and they say the word program. No way. That's, yes way. Like my dad. Mm-hmm. Were you talking to my dad? Because that would be <laughs> not a second source. Nope. It was somebody else. Okay. All right. Program. Okay. So MrsWinger.com is the place to find a high-quality, stylish, comfortable face covering. Um, we're going to be wearing masks for a while. And she's got new styles new materials they're made out of cotton they're two layers um you can add a third layer uh filter if you want uh these are uh, durable you can wear them all day and uh it's a nice way to go they're also may i say uh cheaper uh so i was on instagram and there was somebody's mask came up and they really seem to be advertising something quite similar to Mrs. Winger's masks. Mm-hmm. Um, they were, were pimping all the <laughs> the same stuff we do um, about it being two layers, about it being uh, cotton and, and comfortable. And they were like 20 bucks. They're like 20 bucks. And uh, if Mrs. Winger yeah. is cheaper, is a lot cheaper than that got different types also by clicking on that single single instagram uh ad i now have face covering advertisements on everything that i ever look at so isn't that interesting i wonder how they know anyway uh um com is the place to go for your face shields we're also happy to be brought to you by all in a dream comics in denver colorado they're in a new location a couple blocks further east on colfax recall ray at uh area code 303-333-8616 you're going to be knocked out by the selection of graphic novels and vintage comic books um New year, new store, new attitude. All in a dream. Uh, comics and books. All right, Brian. Uh, we um, see what you know. I don't think we've recorded in. I mean, we. I mean, truth be told, I'm not sure we've recorded since um, the holiday break. Now, uh, I understand that your family usually goes to uh, a, a desert isle. Uh, usually in Pago Pago, aren't you? Uh, Pago 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 was was cool in 2018. It's it's changed. <laughs> Just not my scene anymore. I don't I don't really want to talk about the new vacation spot right on this platform. On this platform, yeah. <laughs> on the managing expectations, of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the managing the expectations the podcast it's it's not cleaner it's dirtier 
<laughs> the pod, the cast. Uh, so uh, Mrs. Winger and I watched The Lion in Winter. Have you ever seen this movie? You must see The Lion in Winter. That's starring that's the, Peter O'Toole. That's the one with the witch in the wardrobe. Nope. No. Uh, have we talked about this before? I think you... about <laughs> Gary Goldman's hilarious joke. Go ahead. Was that just you and me, or were we? I, is that a pod? Did we record that? No, I, I hate to repeat myself. No, I, you and I talked about it. Uh, so, so the comedian Gary Goldman is great. He's really smart. He's really sensitive. He's a little too smart and sensitive because he had a really big problem with depression that laid him up for a few years. But it, it, it's produced some of his best work. His uh, most recent uh, work was uh, The Great Depression which was an HBO show, uh, you can get it. I mean, you know, he's, look, I, I mean, I actually met him. Did I tell you I met him? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, back in the before times, when people could have, could go out of their house and stuff, uh, Mrs. Winger and I went to a comedy club in, uh, or, you know, a theater of some sort in Dallas, and we saw him. He was working out the material for The Great Depression, which was uh, um, based on his lifelong struggle with uh, debilitating depression uh, which is uh, remarkable in and of its own uh, in its own right but uh, so hilarious anyway he's got a bit about shopping at Trader Joe's and somehow he gets oh oh he calls Trader Joe's um, Narnia communism <laughs> As opposed to gray coat, gray woolen coat, Eastern European communism. <laughs> um, so he starts talking about Narnia and talked about reading it in school and how when uh, Aslan the, the lion dies, kids are crying. He says, and there I was, a, a Jew... And I say, everybody, hold on. I think if this is going where I think it's going, some really good things are going to happen in three days. That's anyway, great. Anyway, Gary, yeah, so uh, Gary, what, what was I saying? Uh, Gary Goldman? Yeah, no, I interrupted the lion in winter, so. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And I had to tell my... Okay, so uh, Gary Goldman actually has nothing to do with The Lion in Winter. It's Peter O'Toole playing Henry II. Catherine Hepburn playing um, Eleanor of Aquitaine. A, a uh, strong female lead in a, in a British production. I, I should just say that if you're... If you're worried about how Mrs. Grimm is going to react, I, I think you're in the clear on this one. Um, uh, the young Anthony Hopkins as Richard the Lionhearted. And then a couple of other British actors. Oh, Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton's first screen, appear, uh, screen appearance. He was, um, what did he, he, uh, he played uh, Philip of France. Philip of France. So, uh, anyway, uh, 
it was written by James Goldman, maybe. Um, it's the brother of William Goldman, who's like this really famous uh, uh, screenwriter. He did Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Uh, he wrote Marathon Man, uh, lots of stuff. Anyway, uh, his brother wrote The Lion in Winter. And it's fast and it's smart and at time, I mean, it's it's not ha-ha funny, um, but you'll feel a lot better about your dysfunctional family because <laughs> this, this, I mean, it's, it, it's, uh, it borders between like the existential and, 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 and the witty and, um, yeah, it's just terrific. And, uh. Peter O'Toole was actually a relatively young guy. I think he was like 35 and he was playing a 50-year-old king. And Catherine Hepburn uh, was probably 25 years older. And uh, in fact, Eleanor of Aquitaine was older than Henry II, but uh, only by 10 years or so. Hmm. Anyway, just just terrific. Terrific movie. So, so much better than gunfight at the OK Corral. Actually, that move. Uh, oh, go ahead. You you got something? Did you did you have the the DVD, the, the digital video disc of that, or did you stream it someplace? I actually do have the digital video disc. Why do you ask? I was just curious. Maybe so we could point our listeners in a direction if they wanted to uh, watch it themselves. Uh, not. I don't know where to. Usually when I. When I uh, am curious, I just uh, type into the search bar, um, Lion in Winter Streaming, do you for have, example. Do you have to put WWW in front of that? <laughs> you don't. Okay. <laughs> That's funny, though. Uh, because, for example, when I'm watching The Gunfight at the OK Corral, I typed in Tough Guys Streaming. Because that was a movie that Kurt Douglas and Burt Lancaster made in like 1986 that I actually, which I haven't seen since then, but which I actually kind of enjoyed and I would have rather been watching that. I liked that movie when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, uh, I, like, I, I, I don't really remember much about it. They were, they were like two old, like gangsters mm-hmm. out of, out of prison and Burt Lancaster, there he is, he's like an old man. And he kept showing off his great smile. Mm-hmm. Such a handsome guy. Yeah. Did I, did I tell you about seeing um, a movie that he made in the late 60s called The Swimmer? Uh, it was based on a John Cheever short story. So it's about it. Okay, so you'll hear it described as uh, a man who swims cross country. Hmm. And I kept... <laughs> from from one pool to the next so like he'll he'll like swim in his pool in a pool and then get out and then go to the neighbor's house and then swim across that pool but but the thing is i mean i'm i'm thinking about it in like a suburban you know my current suburban reality which has mostly been my suburban reality and uh uh this was actually in like the 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 tony Connecticut affluent um, town and it's so it's like it's it's across 
it's cross country. It's not across the country. Like you couldn't really swim from New York to Los Angeles. Right. No, you can't do that. No, no. There's vast sections of the plains which don't have a pool for a really long time. I'm just saying. So, so anyway, it's kind of like what was interesting to me watching this movie um, on I think it was on AMC I don't know probably it's probably been close to a year ago now um, was that the stuff that we can get um, an almost uh, archaeological or anthropological feel for when we watch Mad Men mm-hmm. right was actually going on with these guys at the time so here he was and he shows up and he's like so handsome and it's like all these like rich people who easily could have been Pete and Trudy Campbell um, you know talking about how hungover they were from the party the night before and hey how you doing and you gotta come around and, and there's a guy who like weighed like 30 pounds less than Harry Crane and Burt Lancaster's <laughs> busting his chops about how fat he is <laughs> So, um, uh, anyway, then he, he like gets this idea and like the further he goes, he's like, I'll just swim home. I'll just swim home. And then, uh, the closer he gets, the more difficult it gets. And the more you see him unravel. And, uh, it reminds me that there have in fact been middle-class tragedies between Whitaker Chambers and myself. Uh, so, um, uh, you know, it's it's a common thing. Yeah, right? the the the, the ta- looking this up online, the tagline for it is: when you talk about the swimmer, will you talk about yourself? No, no, no. I was uh, no. I would be like the fat guy who shows up late at the first <laughs> family's house and it's like, hey, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Uh, Sidney Pollack uh, is says that he was a director but uncredited for uh, for the swimmer. That's kind of interesting. Oh yeah, I actually I read that Wikipedia page too, Brian. Um, it was yeah, there was a there was a some sort of controversy. Like somebody started it, and I, I can't remember what the deal was. Well, heck, Brian, you've got it right in front of you. What's it say? No, I just I just recalled that. From a conversation I had 15 years ago about the swimmer. Oh, for heaven's sake. You know what? We forgot to clap at the beginning of this. Well, we're. Oh, for heaven's What are we, 40, 47 minutes into this thing? We're going to have to. We're going to have to start it over again. We're going to miss our booking. Wait. No, we're. We're 36 minutes into this, if I'm reading my uh, counter correctly. You're not. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> At all. No, no, no. Hey, are you... Um, so there's an interesting there's an interesting thing going on. I don't know if you saw this, but... Okay, well, uh, so a couple of things. One is um, uh, Jocko Willick had a really interesting podcast when he talked about... <clears throat> um, 
uh, George Orwell and Newspeak mm-hmm. uh, and and just currents in the culture. And he kind of and he and he did two hours on it, which was fascinating. And it wasn't all like some look. I, I think he's a he's a, a very interesting guy. Um, but I can only take so much of his blood and guts. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just not of the warrior cast, though. Intellectually, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he does two hours on um, George Orwell. And all of it was really leading up. And, and it was a real conversation. It was a real discussion with him and his his uh, his sidekick. Um, who's not called an aide-de-camp because, yeah. There can only be one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, he's starting his own platform. Or, or he's he's going on to his own thing. And, and there's a really interesting, it, it bears watching, it bears, um, you know, monitoring um, as people are, you know, for, for some understandable reason, uh, being deplatformed and uh, just what, what happens next. And uh, some people could be shut out of it entirely. And, uh, you know, you think, I I don't know how far this goes in the modern world, but if you think about it, um, for example, if you were a Nazi, an American Nazi, or a communist, a card-carrying member of the Communist Party of the United States, uh, you'd still have a bank account, right? Mm -hmm. You'd still... Uh, you could still have a visa card. I mean, if your conscience, I suppose, allowed you to uh, engage in that sort of... <laughs> such such indulgences. Yeah. <laughs> Bank yeah. account. Right? Yeah. So, so then um, it, it would be like, um, you know, you, but you still had to find a way to pay the, the water bill and the electric bill, okay? Um and, and so even though these are private, like, like I don't know what, there must be an economic term. They're like conditional monopolies, right? Right. So even if you found someone disgusting and utterly disagreeable, uh, they, you know, they're not in prison. So they, so they're not in prison. Uh, so they get to participate in some level in society. But now, um, you know, of course, we recognize that some people get canceled. Some people, you know, lose their privilege to be on particular tech platforms. And, you know, you just wonder, I don't know. Where's the line? How, how that goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. I, I, yeah, I mean, like, there's, get, there's obviously, and and you and I both know this. There's there's weirder stuff going on, um, uh, but um, oh, what was I going to say? Uh, I, I I can't remember what I was going to say. What what were you going to say when I shouted you down? Do, can you remember, or is it lost forever? Uh, <laughs> I was going to tell another dog story. <laughs> <laughs> Did I ever tell you? Did I ever tell you? Hang on, hang on. Did I ever tell you about the time my golden lab, Scott, the scout? 
he got deplatformed by Twitter. <laughs> uh, I was just, you know, and I don't know. No, I wasn't gonna say anything. I don't. I don't know if I. I don't know if we, I want to get into it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. No. It, it's just. It, it's an unusual time that we live in, and uh, we'll just we'll we'll see how far this this goes. Yeah. You know, one of the first things that invading armies would do in twentieth century wars would be to like take the radio stations, take the television later when television became a thing. So they take mass communications. Right. Along with the airport and stuff like that. Right. Well, yeah, if somebody's breaking into your house and the movies, the first thing that they would do is they cut your phone line. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Did you learn that from Boomtown? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I miss Boomtown, but I also miss uh, Homicide, Life on the Street. You know, I didn't watch that at the time, but I watched the first season years afterwards. And uh, and Andre Brower is really quite something. I thought that uh, Yafet Koto was great. Just interesting as the chief. Um, good characters. I had a friend in Austin. Uh, named uh, Blaise Fasige and uh, he looked a lot like Yafet Koto and I said uh, and uh, uh, he was from Cameroon and so he spoke uh, English with like a French and African accent mm -hmm. so we, we were talking someday I said you know you, I don't know if you ever heard of this character actor named Yafet Koto he says oh yeah he's from my tribe Wow. Really? Yeah. That's cool. Well, I'll be. I, uh, yeah. I don't think anybody from my tribe ever really hit it big. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, not so as you know. I mean, there's some, there's some family lore about the naval play payroll. Uh, <laughs> Didn't you? Sh didn't you? Sh a, a handful of prudent land investments, but uh, not not Yafet Kodo big. Didn't you share a story about uh, some wingers being from uh, the Midwest or something like that at one point? Uh, are you? Are you? Is this a callback to my story about wingers dying horrible deaths? Right. Yeah. Brian, like George Patton, I don't want to have to pay for the same real estate twice. Yeah, yeah. If you if you, if you don't mind, let's just let's just keep moving forward like a shark through the water. There were there were some Grims that did pretty well with celery down in southern Colorado. I don't know if you know that. Grim is to celery as Smucker is to jam. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's just, I mean, the, the two are synonymous. Yeah. Um, so, for example, it's its kind of like, um, it's, it's, it's that thing where, it's that, it's that thing where, where you call a thing by the name of the manufacturer, like 
Hoover for vacuuming the floor. Kleenex. Xerox. Xerox for making copies, right? You want know Xerox is for you? Google? Yeah, Xerox that for me. Yeah. Google. Google. So it's a thing where people will say, do you, do you want some grim in your tuna salad? Oh, yes, please. Yeah. Yeah. But not, but, but don't make the chunks too thick. I like a finely chopped grim. Dice it. Dice the grim. <laughs> so, um, okay. So are you, so I'm re okay. So I'm reading a lot of things. So I was reading about, uh, okay. So did I, did I, did I tell you? So I have, um, so I, I have a lot of uh, e-books on my iPad, but then I start feeling guilty for not reading them. And like, they don't even look impressive on my shelf because uh, they're in my iPad. Essentially, if I die, no one's gonna look at my iPad and say, wow, this fella was really smart. Um, essentially, they're gonna say, oh, look, he had 50 books that he never opened on his, on his iPad. So, um, so I've been like really working. So like I'll read a chapter of one and then I move to the next one. And so I've got like a rotation of nine books going. Okay. And I've got to say that the biography of Peggy Guggenheim is not maybe what I thought it was when, um, uh, when I got to it, but you know what? She hadn't met any artists yet. She's still a little girl. Interestingly, I think, uh, Peggy Guggenheim's, uh, father died on the Titanic. Titanic. <laughs> the, the, the Titanic. D now, do you say biopic or biopic? I say Titanic. I say Titanic. <laughs> and just as a reminder, January is Titanic uh, Awareness Month. Didn't, right. It was in the winter time that the Titanic sank, right? Uh, December. Are you sure? I think that's usually when I like to cross the North Atlantic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> April 15th. That's what it sank. Did you look that up or are you just making another joke because that's tax day? No, you you told me this thing that I could go online and do a search for something. And I didn't have to type in all those extra characters. And uh, sure enough, it takes me right there. Uh, did you go to www.wikipedia.org? Yep. <laughs> okay. I, I tell you what, this internet, it's, it's going to be something. It's really gonna. It's really gonna be a thing. There's no question about it. Yeah. Um, so uh, um, let's see. So oh, Peggy Guggenheim's yeah, Peggy Gu uh, uh, Peggy Guggenheim's dad died on the uh, Titanic, and um, reading about Eisenhower, uh, who uh, was an interesting uh, guy. He was really a, an organizational fellow, you know. And then uh, moved back to this uh, book about Greenwich Village, which is um, in just, I, I mean, 
these days, I mean, mostly we just think about it as, okay, so like it had 300 years of history before the beatniks ever came around, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it, I, <laughs> hang on, this is going to blow your mind. There was a time when it was a village called Greenwich. It was Greenwich Village. So, like, one coffee shop, and I'm not. Fo- I'm not following. Yeah. The um, I think it's uh, Ken, didn't Ken Burns do a, a New York documentary? Probably, but I didn't see it. Um, it's it's good. It's really interesting to see how uh, Manhattan, the island of Manhattan, was was built up, and how it was scraped, and they, you know what they what they did to that that island and it's it's very interesting so um i'm sure that he touched on greenwich village uh yeah but i mean the history it's just it's just amazing because you when you drive around new york there's it's it's pretty hilly there's a lot of rocks there's you know there's it's not really a, a flat area naturally um so they just they had to do a ton of work there to get it to its so they could build skyscrapers anyhow anyhow sorry no no that i mean that's no that's good yeah no i look i uh many years ago uh uh mrs winger's brother uh was uh working in new york and we uh visited some friends in the bronx in a in a section called west farms and i'm just it's just funny because if you're in the Bronx, it doesn't seem like very Western nor farm-like. But, you know, uh, you know the WAG says uh, that subdivisions are called after whatever the developers had to bulldoze or cut down to make the subdivision. Was it, what was it the, the the Twin Pines Mall in uh, Back to the Future? Is that what it was? Yeah, and then like after like Marty went Back to the Future and like he, the DeLorean like ran over one of the one of the Twin Pines, and so after he had done that, then it was just like Lone Pines Mall. Later. Oh, yeah. Did I ever tell you why I hate that movie so much? Did I ever tell you I hate that movie? No. Why? I, is it Huey? I, is it is it Huey Lewis? Uh, n- n- not not at the time. I you know I, you know what I could I, I I there are a few Huey Lewis songs I like, but yeah. not many. Uh, and I I surely don't need to hear "Hip to Be Square" right as much as I do. Um, anyway, uh, no, I just thought that movie no. <laughs> Here's my here's my thing about uh, Back to the Future. It's stupid. Agree to disagree. <laughs> okay. It's it's you if if you if you had to come up with a plan to get back to your your life and to make sure you were born, would that plan facilitate? Almost making out with your mom. 
<laughs> Never in a billion years. Okay. And what did Michael J. Fox's plan do? That wasn't the plan. It wasn't. Well, it's what almost happened. It, it, well, yeah. I don't. I don't think. He, I don't think he. He was like, okay. <laughs> I know I what I'll do. <laughs> I. I haven't seen it since it came out. When did it come out? 84, 85? I think it was 86. 86. No, it came out before that because I didn't see it. Because I got married in 86. 1985. Yeah. See? 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 You were off by one year. Crispin Glover is in that. He's, He's... Yeah, and he actually had a speaking role, which is kind of a, an unusual thing for Crispin Glover. Yeah, he was really underutilized in Charlie's Angels full throttle. <laughs> See, I, I, I agree to disagree because I think that was some of his best work. Um, so, so then... Uh, It's going to be 35 years with Mrs. You know what? Um, I. It's going to be 35 years for me and Mrs. Winger in the spring. That's pretty good. Is that a thing? I know. It's unbelievable. God, I know. I, I try to... You know, I'm like... Uh, uh, I don't know. I'm like the age that I always thought of my grandfather being. He'd had a heart. He'd had a heart attacks by the time he was my age. I, I'm the age. I'm the age my mom was when Mrs. Grimm and I got married. You're the age. You're oh, which means that if you'd gotten busy a little sooner, you could be getting one of your kids married this year. Interesting. Yeah. Well, sleep tight, Brian. Either one, of your, either one of your kids could uh, uh, could be eloping soon, or Jackson could uh, um, end up back in time when <laughs> he has to try to get back by almost making out with your wife. Probably while, hang on, let me guess, let me guess, Natalie Merchant was playing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See? See, it's a dumb plot. It's a dumb plot. I, I don't think Christopher, I don't remember anything Christopher Lloyd did that was funny. I don't remember anything Michael J. Fox doing with, that was funny. What? Tell me a funny line from, from uh, Back in Time. Back to Back to the Future. Back, back to the Future. Uh. By the way, Back in Time was the Huey Lewis song. You want to go back in time? Hey, you, Biff, get your damn hands off her. There. You're right. That is hilarious. Oh, every okay. time, every time I hear it. I just I don't know why I don't know why that was I, I, I just I don't get it I didn't like that movie I uh let's see but I 
I think I've only walked out on two movies. One of them was Conan the Barbarian. Never seen it. Yeah. It was terrible. Well, I mean, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I was probably... I mean, I was in my snotty, pretentious, intellectual cinema phase. And what was the second one? I don't want to say. I, I don't know the name of it. I just know the type of movie it was, and I didn't stay. It's probably good, because that's how they get you. <laughs> Who directed it? <laughs> yeah. Somebody in the valley, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm proud of that. I ain't proud of that, but I mean that was well, uh yeah. I mean I mean there's actually a real conversation to be had there. Um but um uh there was before I don't want to talk about it. Yep, we don't have to talk about it. No, nah, I don't want to talk about it. So We've come, and, and, we, and neither, Brian, do I want to end the podcast on that on that note. No, I was about to say we've talked about some good stuff. The time that my dog puked 50 times in my backyard. That is hilarious. The Lion in Winter, which is a great movie. Great movie. Uh, <laughs> Peggy Guggenheim's father died on that famous boat. Uh, yeah, so it's, it, this has been an epic podcast. There, there you go. There you, go. you got your one, two, three. They're your stories. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's really something. Yeah, I, I, read a, I read a book about making a podcast, and they said that you've got to hit those three things every time, and I think we did. Okay, <laughs> well, there it is then. Um, let's, uh, I, I'm, I'm prepared to call it. So here's the thing. Uh, maybe we could leave our all of our listeners with this thought. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in this crazy world that we can't control. And you don't want to make yourself crazy about that stuff. It's beyond your agency. It's out of your hands. Okay? But there are some things that you can control. Okay? You can control... To some extent, what you feed your face, what you feed your brain, and you want those things to be as positive as possible. Um, and uh, you know, you there are things that actually enrich human existence. I think about the relationships that uh, that we will remember someday, and uh, those are important. So. Take care of business like that. Um, whatever you got to do, get after it. Do it. Put your whole heart and soul in it. Um, and um, have the best day possible. How about that? That's pretty good. Yeah, uh, it's, it's stupid. Uh, Not as stupid as Back to the Future, but it was stupid. I'd, I'd like to add just, you know... Uh, go out, get some fresh air, take a walk. Y yes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, maybe stay out of the real populated areas. Be careful. <laughs> oh, man. 
All right, everybody. So uh, this episode of Managing Expectations has been brought to you by MrsWinger.com, the maker of great, stylish, comfortable, effective masks, face coverings with new styles and fashions uh, weekly, as far as you know. Also, uh, All in a Dream comics and books in Denver, Colorado. All in a Dream can be reached at area code 303-333-8616. New, new store, new year, new attitude. So, um, that's it for Managing Expectations, episode 41. We are very, very happy that you spent some time with us. Aren't we, Brian? Very happy. Brian! We get some outro going right here. Yeah. Okay. So, what were you? What were you gonna say? Were you saying something, Brian? I would. Before? I was just. I was just thanking our listeners for tuning in. We've. We've enjoyed it. We hope you did too. Yeah. Okay. So what? So whether you're listening to this in the morning or the afternoon or the evening, we thank you. All right. That's it. Let's go to work. Let's go to work. <laughs>